Capcom presents. They accept all my imperfections. Sorry for the disconnection. But here's all the missing sections. You know Mega Brand came equipped with weapons. I don't mean Smith and Wesson's, but the gun smoke will choke ya. We do it for the culture. Lights of the round controllers up in hostess. It's a beautiful world. I'm smelling everything. Take flight and soar on legendary wings. No swagger from Mike Hagger. Wrestler turned mega, turned teacher, turned rapper with mad gear. Leveled up from last year. Trust me, it's dynamite. From the third strike to final fight. So I'm going to stay locked in. Since 83, way past 2010. You never heard of this live ass. The Cap County Podcast. So I'm going to stay locked in. Since 83, past 2K10. You never heard of this live ass. The Cap County Podcast. Welcome to the Capcom Unity official podcast. This is episode 15. Oh my goodness gracious, can you believe it? Uh, I'm Greg Aman. I'm joined once again by... Uh, Red Elston. Greg, want to point out you're already going in the red. you got to watch your voice. I'm... Sh- oh man. I know, so, you're, I know you're excited, but... Like, Alright, well hopefully it's not over. too bad, because the levels are chronically low Redo. on this show. I'm sure it's fine Redo. on the show. Redo. It's Redo. fine. No, it's fine. Okay. This, this, keep all this in. So that's uh, a little taste of Brett Elston, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And, and I now right. have to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm Yuri, the Monster Hunter. No, our Can dedicated Spyborgs community. Something manager. of a <laughs> something of a Monster Hunter jock, as I believe they're known. <laughs> there is no such thing. You're uh, either either uh, Monster Hunter. Then why are you here, Yuri? Uh, <laughs> I thought the position was Monster Hunter nerd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is what we said. But that was yeah. Greg first, mm-hmm. and we all made fun of him. I was just filling in, though. Yeah, it's yeah, true. It was I was hazed in my day for <laughs> showing even a passing interest <laughs> in what is now the uh, the office fancy. I know we we're all really into it. I think yeah. I think uh, it was it was a, a an in between time. I guess we can go into later in the mm-hmm. show. Yeah, yeah. we'll um, get to it when when we get to the portable section of this episode. Yes. yes. So let's keep going. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, real quick, before we get into the main theme, uh, I do want to go over some of the quick news beats. There hasn't been a whole lot in this two-week period since the last episode, but uh, if you're a Dead Rising 3 PC player or have been thinking about playing it, two more patches have gone live. Uh, On the last episode, we had already talked about the first patch, uh, but there are now three patches total that addressed a lot of the uh, crash issues some people were having, and the third patch... um, actually gives a little nice bonus gift to owners of the game. It uh, unlocks two costumes unique to the PC version. It's a, it's a Ken Masters costume, so uh, give yourself a little extra context when you're doing those Shoryukens with the uh, rocket punch weapon there. Never heard of it. And, uh, yes. Uh, Is it Ken Masters from uh, Classic Street Fighter 2010, the final fight? Uh, even, it's actually 1991. Kevin, <laughs> Ken Masters. So well, it's, it's Freudian, got Nick dressed it. up as Ken. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Battle Hardened Nick, where it's it's like his normal mechanics outfit, but all torn up, and he's like scarred and bruised. I think that's pretty cool. Mm. Um, and you also get a car skin, which I haven't looked at, but uh, that's, you know, cool freebies. Might as well download them. Uh, and it also tweaked the volume in the game to be louder overall. Just a little Kind of like his podcast. 
Yes. Yeah. Which we've also done. Hopefully not too loud. Uh, uh, <laughs> on your note of news and regarding costumes, uh-huh. uh huh. Resident Evil, mm-hmm. a popular video game. Yes. Um, from Capcom. Familiar. Right. Uh, if you're with me so far, mm-hmm. uh, we had that promo. Uh, what was what's the word? Promotion event contest thing on ResidentEvil.com that was uh, help us spread the Resident Evil Raccoon City contagion uh, via tweeting. Uh, and you did it. So it was, uh, when does it reach 100, 100%, uh, the goal was to hit 100%. And when it did, it would unlock Jill and Chris's BSAA, a.k.a. RE5. It's mm-hmm. a lot of letters. Uh, cust- <laughs> costumes. <laughs> Custom costumes. Uh, but for the that, remake. That was, yeah. So basically that unlocked those costumes inside of the Resident Evil remake. So you'd be able to play uh, Resident Evil through as RE5 Jill or RE5 Chris. I, I am um, super jazzed about that. Just it's cool. for the record. I know, you know, people are attached to that particular uh, model of Jill that they use for the remake. Oh, that's my favorite Jill for, by far. I just love RE1 Jill. Having that consistency because that those games are old or the remake even is old enough that uh, you know, it predates like I think they sort of started really solidifying the character models with uh, I guess 5 um and you know, especially Chris, he has this very consistent look. And then you go back to the older games, and he's kind of this gangly <laughs> guy. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's yeah, a lot of it's having this more consistent art direction, but it's also you know they're portrayed as a lot younger. And yeah, I mean that that's all. I mean, you can cert- yeah, you can certainly uh, rationalize why sure. he looks so different. But it's cool. But it's right, a cool bit of fan service. Yeah, because since five, and then Marvel three, and then Revelations, like there's this very much more consistent look than Chris between say RE one and. Or even Jill between yeah. RE1 PS1 and RE3 PS1. Uh, there's yeah. a little variance. And um, even in spoilers, Code Veronica, uh, Chris looks uh, quite different than he looks in any of those later ones. But, yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, yeah, that's a nice yeah. bit of. Uh, it's 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 it'll be those costumes will be in the game. Um, they're not DLC you got to buy or anything. They're just part of the part of the part of the offering. Yay for Resident Evil.net. Oh, well, this isn't related to Arnett that, so no. oh. cut that. Then. Yay for Twitter! But, but Arnett it <laughs> also related. Yeah, yay for Twitter. <laughs> RE Games on Twitter, everybody. Resident <laughs> Evil on Twitter is the boobies. Uh, Sony, oh. wants, Sony got there first, I guess. Yeah, uh, RE, is but, it RE underscore uh, games? RE underscore games. But uh, re- relating to RE.net, they did launch that timeline. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you check out Resident Evil.net. Um, there's uh, this new feature called Recollections. Or I don't know if it's if it's Recollections or Recollections, the actual word. But um, yeah, it's it's just a little overview of the series chronology. Uh, you can fill in any of your gaps in knowledge, and uh, they also have uh, regularly updated um, like dev diaries and other posts put up there by the uh, web admin team. And uh, you can actually share your own personal tales of woe. From your Resident Evil experiences, you can make your own posts. That's why I wrote in my post today. In a, in a, you said Tales of Woe? Yeah. Really? I did. Weird. Wow. Eerie. I know. Maybe I read that. <laughs> <laughs> Subconsciously, you just... And uh, speaking of Tales of Woe, uh, Dead Rising, uh, <laughs> we just announced uh, a new... It's a 90-minute film, like an actual real-life human being... Human beings on film. Uh, Dead Rising... Film called Dead Rising Watchtower uh, that will release as a digital exclusive on Sony's Crackle service 
and then eventually make its way to the wider audience on DVD, TV, and uh, other video-on-demand services. Other letters. Yes. <laughs> HD DVD on your HD DVD DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, it will not be on HD DVD, but um, <laughs> you can find out what's but going it, on with that. It will f- be available on seven UMDs. Yeah. <laughs> But um, look First for <laughs> look for uh, Dead Rising Watchtower on Facebook, and you can also follow them on Twitter at Dead Rising underscore Show. Uh, they just finished a contest. Uh, sorry, a contest um, auditioning uh, p- people to be zombie extras. Uh, but the I think when this podcast goes up, the results will not be up yet. So you can tune in to see uh, how that ended, at least. How it will might have gone. It will. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to do the grammar gymnastics. There's no such thing. Uh, That's all I have for news. Is there anything that I missed? Yuri, you have anything? Uh, Well, so for next week, we'll be at New York for New York Comic Con. Yay. Um, I I don't think we have fully. um, I don't think at the time of this podcast going live, I don't know if there will be information on a site, but. New York Comic Con website has us listed there, so might as well, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we should. We should. If not by the time this goes up, then Monday or Tuesday of the week of yeah. New York, we should have a post that's like, "Here's our panels. Here's our like. There's a Resident Evil panel. There's a Monster Hunter panel." Yeah, so there will be a Monster Hunter panel, and uh, similarly to the San Diego Comic Con panel, guests, special guests, surprises. Monster Hunter. Probably me in the corner filming it. Oh man. Probably Brett in the. Do corner not engage. Filming. <laughs> Are we gonna yeah. catch a rare g- live glimpse of the cut coup? Uh, <laughs> no, we will. We will bring one of the eggs. Pecking away. Egg. We have worked with geneticists, keeping his evil in check, and hooligan uh, <laughs> doctors for the last ten years to make yes, a real, so miserable. <laughs> we grafted a cassowary yeah. to him. All I can say Yon is cuckoo in the real. <laughs> All I can say is hold on to your butts. Oh man. Oh man. So. Uh, yeah, that's it for news. <laughs> <laughs> a grim <laughs> foreshadowing of things to come. Well, there was also, I think, since the last time you have the Sonic costume. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. It uh, was before TGS. So, uh, yeah, right right about now, you should all be excited. Still excited that we've announced a Sonic outfit for your feline, uh, known in this game as Palicos. And uh, we'll have, as well, the uh, Isabella and Mr. Rossetti. From Animal Crossing. So Animal Crossing. So good. Yeah. That it's was great. Uh, I remember in the office when we sort of, some of us stopped playing Monster Hunter for a while to play Animal Crossing. Right, yeah. Brett? That was me. <laughs> we call them uh, backstabbers. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Sorry, Animal Crossing came out first in the U.S., <laughs> so deal with it. <laughs> By like two years. Oh, yeah. Come ah. on. Come on. And it came with a memory card. How can you beat that? Are we yeah. still talking about the? This is the Animal Crossing. We're not Crossing talking about show. New Leaf. We're talking about the right. first Animal Crossing. Yeah, first the game, the first cute. Monster Hunter, it's which true. was uh, Japan was Edible Forest on the N64, but that did become oh, over yeah. here. Uh, yeah, uh, and then the last one was the Hunting Horn, also looking at Brett, uh, but no, this listening. one based on uh, Taiko Drum Master. Yeah, so very which, nice. Uh, I'm not super familiar with, but I know, I know there's some Hunting Horn players. Game in the about Taiko drumming. I know of it, and frankly, great. It's great. Yeah. Seeing in the arcade, those drums are like the real deal. Yeah. There is a looking up uh, Tycho Drum Master and Monster Hunter to track how far the information had gone. I found actually a video on YouTube of somebody playing the PSP version of Tycho Drum Master, 
that had Monster Hunter tracks in it. Oh, wow. So cool. that was quite a, a weird thing I found Man. totally randomly. Synergy for years. I know, right? I think it was just waiting to happen. Huh. Cool. That's all. all I right, want well, to mention them. Looking at Greg's notes on the monitor, and from this far away, it's you know like size 12 font. I can't really read it. <laughs> but like I see this word that starts with B, and it's kind of long, and it's got a red line under it. Like, oh, this is spelled, you know, this isn't a word. And I was like, oh, man, is it Battletoads? <laughs> and then I lean in, and it's Bitter Black Isle. Like, oh. Of course it is. Well, that's fine. Why doesn't my spell check know that? That's no Battletoads. <laughs> <laughs> Battletoads cross Bitter Black. Man. Make it happen. Oh. Anyway, both, both hard, right? this podcast, believe it or not, is about Monster Hunter. <laughs> so well, I, know. I think we can go ahead and get into it. So Monster Hunter just celebrated its 10th birthday. That's so cute. <laughs> Still remember mine. I got it's an finally old enough to buy cigarettes. Action figure. Those were so badass. Wait, Exosquad? Yes. That no, was a great show. Ten dollars for like so much stuff. They were cool. Uh, if you don't know, it was like a little tiny figure that would fit inside of a bigger mech. It looked like a GI Joe. Yeah, but yeah. it was like oh. the mech, and the mech had all these action features, yeah. and like the the little guy inside had like his own accessories. It was a pretty decent show. Box. Kind of in the in the vein of like. Not as good as, but Batman the Animated Series, where it was like trying to be a little more it's than quite serious. a vessel for toys. Yes. It, was, it, it tried. But also had awesome toys. It had yeah. great toys. Better than the Batman toys, that's for sure. So, in conclusion, Monster in conclusion, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, that's all we have to say about Monster 10th Hunter. birthday, and you know, I, don't, I think Gary is the only one who's actually been playing it uh, all that time, but uh, we're all quite fond of this series. We... we it has a special place in our hearts now. It's true. Since we've yeah. bonded many a time over a hot campfire. Thrashing by a for me. Yeah. I think that's the only the only uh, uh, place within our reach that we have not played Monster Hunter. Yeah, that's it a good a point. round of campfire. Right. We have we, not done we, that. We a lot, like, of, uh, a lot of hotel tables, lobbies. Hotel lobbies, cafeteria. I mean, I'm sure uh, we've I've definitely played it in a hotel near a fireplace. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Is it lit? Yeah. This is an important... Oh, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. even in San Diego last year in 2013, there was fires around us. Hmm. Huh. And right. actually, this year, we kept trying to that go down to like one of those it. fires by the pool. Uh. But everyone was either so tired or the one night we were going to go, there were mosquitoes up to uh, here. So I can see. I can say beyond doubt that we've uh, we've done it near heat lamps. We have. Yeah, for by sure. done it, I mean played Monster Hunter. Yeah. That's what um, that means. Make no mistake. We, we've also played it uh, when we're not supposed to, strictly uh, <laughs> by you know restrictions on, on the Wi-Fi connections. And I'm talking about planes. You know, we travel to these shows and yeah, we're yeah, yeah, well, That's how I fell in love with Monster Hunter. Sh- you know, please turn off your uh, Wi-Fi devices. Um, yeah, yeah so, so as I was saying, you know, the, the lady just finished telling us that we need to shut off all our electronic devices and Wi-Fi and all that. And we look one way, look the other way. She's gone. We put up, you know, open up the 3DS again and yep. connect to each other via Wi-Fi. Yeah. I forgot that was even something you're not supposed to do. Yeah. I, mean, well, I remember just back in so 06 playing uh, New Super Mario Brothers on DS and there was like a multiplayer mode. You could do that. And me and uh, 
me and formerly Activision, now Ubisoft's Dan Emmerich. Uh, oh, yeah. And I playing New Super Mario Brothers on the plane. Is that the one where you, like, you're seven years the same ago. star and you have to bonk each other to, like... I, all I remember was we were jumping on each other. Yes. That's all I remember, That sounds too. familiar. It was fun. So, Monster <laughs> Hunter captured us all, uh-huh. one way or another. I was definitely the longest holdout. Like, yeah. I mean, well, I it was, yeah, it's, uh, there was such a turnaround when, uh, you know, I think it's that, it's that thing where when games, when you, when you know enough people <laughs> playing, <laughs> oh my god, what? <laughs> Waiting for <laughs> a subject <laughs> in the sentence. <laughs> when you, when I, <laughs> this happens yeah, a lot. A dream. It's fine. <laughs> I heavily edit, I, I edit myself more heavily than any other person. You gotta leave that show. stuff in. That's how people uh, learn to feel the human in Greg. Yeah. Brings out the Steve Buscemi in me. It's like you know, like Daddy. <laughs> anyway, um, this is all gold. So this is how you get a fan club. Yeah. <laughs> um, where the hell was I? <laughs> <laughs> My question's about the budget. So. <laughs> uh, when you, it's like Call of Duty. You know, it's like people ask, why is this game popular? And like, I can't really think of it. I mean, other than that, it's a very polished game. Uh, it's just it's very tight and smooth and other adjectives. Um, I think it's this snowball effect where it somehow eventually got to a point where enough people had it and enough people knew people that had it and were playing it that uh, it just grew exponentially from there. And that's, you know, Call of Duty, if you look at it, is a pretty hard game, especially the online. Like, I go in there sometimes, try and play competitive multiplayer, and it's just nonstop getting shot in the head from someone I don't even see. Uh, but somehow it's still perceived as something hugely accessible and I'm not I'm not saying it's not I'm just saying that that uh, doesn't have to do with ease per se and when you have a game like Monster Hunter which is also very complex uh, it kind of boggles the mind at first to see how uh, you know prolific it has become in Asia but it's the same kind of thing I think where you know enough people that can sort of guide you through the experience that even something that may not make a lot of sense at first uh somehow seeps into your uh bloodstream yeah i mean for me it was uh, and i feel like for most press because i came from games press for i did that for six years and previewing monster hunter taking any kind of appointment from monster hunter was always a challenge because it's like and i'm sure i've said this before even on this show but like you've always got to be moving on to the next preview the next interview the next feature the next something so it's like you can review a game you can be like games that don't require learning a lot a game that you can just pick up and the game will teach you through the course of playing and, and cater and like oh here's how you do this here's how you do this those are things you can review and, and get in get inside of really easily or or something like a case i'd say a zelda game doesn't always hand you everything mm-hmm. but i've played zelda my whole life so yeah. when i go to review twilight princess or skyward sword i was like oh i don't you know the game doesn't really give you a tutorial for everything about the game and every mechanic and every Go look around, you dummy. Like, it doesn't tell you <laughs> these things necessarily. Yeah. But for some reason, Monster Hunter was always, like, the hardest sell. Um, and then when I finally came here, uh, for the first year, there was still no Monster Hunter game because I started in 2011. And But then by the time 3 Ultimate came out and Yuri got hired, and then on that flight to PAX East, uh, oh, yeah. finally started playing. And it just... In the act of playing with you guys and then also, like, just kind of getting caught in the loop of, like, well, I need to complete this set of armor. And maybe that's – I'll set my first goal just because I keep hearing this is fun. So I'm yeah. going to make myself complete one armor set. And then I made a great jaggy outfit. And I was like, oh, I kind of get this. And then we played on the plane. And then you get stuck in the loop. And then when you have friends to play. And then all you think about is, like, hey, when we get done, let's, you know, 
I, I realize I only need one more thing to make this hat, so I'm going to make this hat. And then you <laughs> yeah, make the hat. And you're like, new hat. Oh. oh, well, by doing that, I unlocked uh, some more quests and monsters, and that one looks pretty cool. And then you just, and then it just clicked, and now I'm like, I can't imagine <coughs> not. It's like riding a bike. I will always have some level of Monster Hunter in my blood at this at this point. Right. Put, yeah. The game know. does a very good job of dangling this carrot in front of you, right? But then also letting you have a bite of the carrot every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. And it's just this it's, endless dangling carrot. It is it is truly a game where, um, more so than even the usual comparison that it gets because it's a, it's an easy one and a popular one at this point is saying it's something like Dark Souls or Demon Souls. Where it's a lot of challenge and a lot of effort for, but then the reward, you feel it more than a game that's like telling you, push A when he's flashing red to deal damage. Like it's it's a game about animations and pacing and skills and learning what your advantages and disadvantages, not just from positioning, but the weapons you're using. Yeah. Um, and in that way, it is similar, but I feel like Monster Hunter is like the epitome of, <laughs> and the highest level of time invested equals exponentially how much value and fun you're getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, the more you play, the more fun it is. It is, in a word, Street Fighter. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it, it is. It totally is. Read um, my blog to find out more. And that's why I love, like, when we do streams, like with these Monster Hunter gatherings at our office, I love doing, they're not quite competitive Monster Hunter streams, but they are, like, head-to-head. Yeah, we have, like, two teams of, of two. Race, yeah. And calling those is really fun because you're like, you know, oh, you know, they should have tried to dive roll through that or, oh, that was a bad time to use this potion or. Or that trap is getting yeah, wasted. Oh, that really trap, no way, that's not going to work. Sport, and, really it's, and, and, yeah. and, yeah, it is much like Street Fighter when you finally, I remember the first time I saw a competitive match of Street Fighter being played on a screen with commentators and in a crowd, it was like. It was like seeing the game for the first time. Yeah, it right? really was. Yeah. It was like five, six years ago at a, when when Vanilla 4 had just come out and there was like a, a tournament in a, in San Francisco like up in a warehouse on Fisherman's Wharf. <laughs> uh, actually, it might have been Fort Mason, somewhere up around there. Huh. And it was like uh, like a thousand people or something. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is, this is watching a boxing match. Yeah. This is having someone <laughs> calling it. And I'm seeing this for the first time. And then the first time you watch... You don't need to know anything about Monster Hunter, but if you see people streaming, or hopefully we'll have similar streams like we had in 2013, so hopefully we'll have some of those coming up for, like, I mean, four ultimates around the corner. So yep, we, uh, watch those. I and then, know. like, even if you have no vocabulary or ex- uh, experience with Monster Hunter, it's something you can watch and go, like, oh, it's a dude hitting the dragon with a hammer. That's cool. Like, yeah. it's, still, <laughs> it's still fun to watch. And, and the, the latest one is by all accounts, like the, the most fun to play, but also really fun to watch. Yeah, there's a lot there's of a, dynamic a lot stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So but Yuri has uh, had the joy of being tuned into the series throughout its whole evolution. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I was on board before launch uh, in a way because I saw the trailer and uh, I saw the E3 trailer before the game came out and, and I was sold there. With the exception that I was, I knew I was moving, and I had actually sold my PS2, so I there was no point in buying it. So I actually only have nine years of Monster Hunter. Oh, <laughs> uh, fake Monster Hunter fan. <laughs> all off the show. Should I should I get up? So <laughs> sham, uh, the sham of the ten year fan. <laughs> so no, I started in two thousand five uh, when I had ex- uh, effectively moved to the United States and uh, bought a PS2 and. Um, you know, had some friends in Brazil that were still, you know, we, we were all into the same, similar types of games, um, you know, like action games, uh, animation-driven games, uh, like, you know, Zone of the Enders and, like, Devil May Cry and 
all that. And uh, and we actually liked the we all liked the E three trailer for Monster Hunter. So it finally came time. We we got the game uh, roughly at the same time and uh, started playing the the very first Monster Hunter. Um, and I think within like my th- fourth hour into the game, um, still having no clue of what I was doing. Uh, getting super scared by bullfangos. Like, <laughs> I was legit like super scared when I saw a bullfango charge at me for the first time because uh, they're I'm dangerous. Gonna try, gonna try to explain this, but it's like you're supposed. The quest is for you to go fishing on a very narrow path. Mm. You get to that path. There's a bullfango, and he <laughs> snorts and charges at you, and you haven't seen any like anything yeah. like it before. Um, you soon realize he's uh, absolutely nothing compared to. Well, they are one <laughs> of the most <laughs> annoying things in video games. Yeah, period. Really yeah. You're about yeah. to get that killer strike on something, and then from <laughs> like out of like total like Lucy uh, pulling yeah. the football from Charlie Brown, there's just <laughs> a uh, bullfango running in from off screen. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. now you flip around like an idiot. Uh, but anyways, uh, conquered the bullfango, and then finally went online. Uh, play with my friends, play with a bunch of random people, and then it clicked, you know? It's like the the experience, for me at least, clicked almost immediately when we were able to all, you mm. know, team up and take out this giant dragon. So there uh, were headsets, like the SOCOM headset, right? They like, were not. No? It was... Uh, there, wasn't really down. Te- there wasn't really texting then either. It was... Uh, you could plug in your USB keyboard oh. Onto, oh, yeah. uh, onto a PS2, and you could play like that. Or you could do a uh, you could hit triangle and that open up a virtual keyboard uh, got and it. you could do that. Um, I only ne- got never do that. I only got the USB keyboard like three months in though, uh. so I had to suffer through a lot Oof. of hitting triangle. And then, you know, <laughs> um, hard to describe controls in a podcast, but uh, the the Monster Hunter the first Monster Hunter game had like some very unique control yeah. uh, systems there, so. Uh, it took some getting used to, but eventually we did that. But, you know, the, one of the main things, and, uh, and, of course, I have a list here of the key things of each of the Monster Hunter games, um, focusing on the ones that got released in the West. Uh, so, yeah, so the online multiplayer was one of the key components there, um, solidifying, like, the idea that the game was supposed to be played socially. Uh, even if you didn't have uh, patience to cycle through the triangle or didn't have a USB keyboard, you could still get the idea of what you're supposed to do because the, everybody had the same goal. Mm. You know, it was not competitive by any means. So you had, there was no advantage for you to try and hinder somebody else's progress. Which is, you know, kind of what led to the game developing such a strong community. But yeah, so I think I'm the only one with the experience on that game. Yes. Move on to the portables then. <laughs> Yes. So, I mean, at this point in in the series, it still wasn't the huge runaway success that it became, uh, Mm. is my understanding. I do have a vague memory of when I worked in a TV station, uh, some guy came in who played games, and I knew he played games. And I was actually at that E3 2004, which is weird, because I remember Capcom's booth, but I don't remember Monster Hunter. Hmm. I wonder if Hmm. it was there. There was a trailer. Yeah. Uh, I might have that press <laughs> asset somewhere, actually, the the press kit. Uh, but somebody's coming in and be like, hey, man, have you heard of this game called Monster Hunter? No. <laughs> but you, can, you can play online with people and hunt these big monsters. And at the time, I still didn't have broadband because we're out in the right. sticks. And like, it's like, okay, great. Sounds cool. <laughs> um, but that was just 
the only run-in I ever had with the original Monster Hunter was some, and then years later I realized like, oh, that's what he's talking about, the first one. That's kind of crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that yeah, outside of that. But then you were talking about the portable ones. Yeah, um, yeah. So in Japan they had a they had a couple of other PS2 titles, uh, Monster Hunter G as the expansion to the first game, um, expanding a lot of on a lot of the concepts that were uh, introduced on the first game, and then uh, Monster Hunter 2. Um, subtitled DOS, and uh, but neither of those came out here. Instead, Monster Hunter Portable, which was tech, was sort of like Monster Hunter G, but on the PSP, mm-hmm. that ended up coming here as Monster Hunter Freedom. And uh, to my understanding, that's the one that really blew up in Japan. It's it was Freedom. Monster Hunter, yeah, Monster Hunter Freedom for us. Uh, that that became very very big in Japan, and you know the story is very similar to how our three ultimate experience here in the office was, you know, people started playing them in their lunch breaks and, mm-hmm. and then playing on uh, maybe not planes, but in Japan, like train rides yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. And then like, it becomes this thing, like all of a sudden everybody at Capcom is playing monster hunter and then it starts trickling outside of Capcom and outside those friends of friends of friends, you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, it becomes like the, the phenomenon that Greg explained earlier. There's too many people playing it to, for you not to play it. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from somebody who had played the PS2 game, you know, it was very similar. Mm-hmm. It just had, like, new ideas. It was essentially playing, like, the, the G version, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the next big one on the portable was, was Freedom 2, mm-hmm. and that in Japan was even, like, bigger. I, I mm-hmm. can't recall the, the number of units off the top of my head, but uh, the, the next one I remember a little better so uh yeah and, and this one had like new like brand new weapons and monster types um this is the one that introduced like the long sword the gun lance the bow and then the wow. hunting horn nice so perennial favorites this is freedom yeah. unite this no this is, is freedom, freedom two. two. Oh, freedom two so this is uh technically these all these features were introduced in monster Hunter two in japan mm. but that never came out so they made uh, that never came out here so they made a portable version of that right and then we got that as Freedom 2. Um, and then we got, like, new monsters. It was, like, one of the biggest jumps hmm. um, ever in the series. It was the biggest in the series ever, uh, at that point. But still to this day, is like, very, very big jump as far what as, What was like, the content. flagship monster of that one? Uh, that was a T-Grex. T-Grex. Yeah. And that was brand new, created for that title. So that was not even in the PS2 game. Still uh, the bane of our existence. <laughs> I thought that was a Diablos. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Greg, you you I remember you hearing you saying something about how the longsword was one of the things that got you. To that was play the one. The game. That yeah. was the one that got its uh, hooks in me. But uh, but it did have like brand new areas and different types of items and and all sorts of stuff, and even added a new element. Ice wasn't an element until that game. Um, but yeah, but it's not boron. until boron huh? <laughs> added a new element. Boron. <laughs> All right, go on. Uh, but it wasn't until Freedom Unite where, you know, the, I think the, at that point the series got sort of a um, global respect. Even even if the success was for the most part in Japan, at that point, like, people here started talking about it just because it was so big in Japan as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I do remember us getting press uh, review, getting review builds for PSP. Or Freedom Unite, and yeah. like us trying to. I remember playing uh, the friend Michael, uh, who I think it, I'm not sure. Yeah, 
Uh, we we worked together back then and trying to review it. And again, it was just that case of like, Capcom would be better about this in the try era, mm. um, which would be a little after this. But in Freedom, it was like, here's a UMD, here's <laughs> Monster Hunter, you know, here's the embargo, and like, you know, you know, please review the game when you can. Yeah, and it's like. Okay, yeah, we've heard something about this, and you sit down and play like what? What? What, what, <laughs> I think, what is happening? Like, I th- uh, okay, go gather rocks. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm supposed to deliver this egg, or I don't remember what the quests were, but like, yeah. But getting in the loop was always hard. Like, it it is. It, it's the best way to get into Monster Hunter is find someone. Oh yeah, of course. Who uh, knows? And then having that human there to guide you through it, uh, which we didn't have that. Which I think is why so many press people. Uh, had a hard time because they didn't have someone, which is kind of the role you've stepped into a little with three <laughs> ultimate and four ultimate. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Is going out on press tours with with PR and being like, you know, sit right there and be like, okay, here's here's sort how it of the works. Uh, the hunting yeah. buddy for the whole industry. I mean, it's like <laughs> so, like Seth was with fighting games. Like he would sit down yeah. every time someone put their hands on Street Fighter Four in those first two appointments. Seth was like the first time I met Seth. It was playing Street Fighter Four in an arcade cabinet and him explaining like, yeah, so you played two, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, you, what kind of idiot do you think I am? <laughs> like, who is this guy? Please hire me in four years. Uh, so that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, again, going going down through the list here, uh, Freedom Unite, you know, the biggest one I think at at that point. You know, they they took all the big things that Freedom Two added and just expanded that even more. Uh, all sorts of new subspecies monsters you know becoming the largest roster in the game mm-hmm. introduced the nargakuga not the bane of nice. everyone's existence no, but he's very lovable yeah uh g rank stuff so there was a lot to bite into so what and was then, in the g versions before g rank like well so like i said this list was sort of focused on the western releases right uh but you know so titles like uh, monster hunter g had the sort of the G rank. Oh, okay, got it. But, but we didn't get that. But two didn't have G rank, oh. and Freedom Two didn't have G rank. Uh. So, uh, and Freedom, the first Freedom game had a weird classification system, so it was mm. arguably not G rank. Okay, uh, we can have that discussion elsewhere. But the biggest you know, I thing—why have it on a Monster Hunter podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody else who wants to pick a bone with me about that. So, oh, I see. No, got not it. us three. Okay, you guys have nothing Good. to add. Got it. That's no, true. It's true. <laughs> Can you talk about hunting horns? I'm probably in it. Yes. So, <laughs> Freedom One did not have hunting horns, but Freedom Unite introduced the, the first AI companions. So those are the they were called feline comrades back mm-hmm. then, um, and that was a big thing. You know, uh, it, it would it would help a lot of the solo type hunters that couldn't go out and meet up with other hunters, which was uh, sort of a thing here. You know, being a a much bigger country as far as like space. Uh, and people yeah. living farther f- apart from each other, but uh, we let the train tracks, let those cars get in the way, man. I know, right? We used to be connected <laughs> with trains, man. <laughs> uh, but uh, as an effort at that time, after the game came out, uh, PS3 uh, ad hoc party was a thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, right. so if you had a PS3, you could connect with other people online. Um, that was a, that was an effort to sort of bridge that gap in the, the communication. I still think Ad Hoc Party was so cool, and I wish more people would talk about it. Because, like, the first time I discovered that, you know, my friend was like, we bought uh, Peace Walker, actually. And um, it was, like, launch day of Peace Walker. We bought a launch day. We were super hyped. And he's like, all right, 
come over. We'll play it with. Uh, he's like, we'll play it and we'll join my friend online. I was like, what do you mean online? <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna Skype him and then we'll we'll do ad hoc. I'm like, those aren't words I know. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they became uh, very familiar words for every Monster Hunter player at that time. But then, uh, you know, just a couple of years later, I think two, uh, maybe a year and a half or so, uh, Monster Hunter Try on Wii. Uh, this, while not being as, as big uh, as Freedom Unite in terms of, like, quantity uh-huh. and stuff, like the number of monsters and all that, was it was very fresh. And it was uh, just so much to bite into. Um, so much so that it was like some people even refer to it as sort of a soft reboot. Uh-huh. Um, and considering you know the game only had like about um, the game only had eighteen large monsters, only mm-hmm. three of those were in the previous games. I and see. Those were like Rathalos, Rathia, and Diablos. Mm. So you think of all the other large monsters are entirely new, right? And you have to go through them to low rank and high rank. So even without the G rank, there was like a lot to go through mm-hmm. as you know feeling. With the feeling of, of playing something new, you know. Um, plus, there was one new weapon, the Switch Axe. Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple of new mechanics. Like, the monsters now have a stamina. Uh-huh. Um, also not represented in sort of a bar. <laughs> right, right. Monster Hunter does not have a health bar, if you made it this far and didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I still love when we do these streams, and, like, there's... Every week, there's one person <laughs> like, how do you tell where the monster's health is? Yeah. It's like, come, come over here. Let's, let's <laughs> look you, closely. You, you, you come over here first. We'll talk. It's yeah. a valid question. Yeah. But get with the program. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, the monsters now have stamina. They get tired. They they go in, eat other monsters. And that was not a thing. And all these, uh, the, the four titles before it, and six if you count the Japanese releases. Uh, and then underwater combat. That was yes, a, that's that was a, probably the biggest. Uh, yeah, one of the biggest addition. features. Uh, it kept Chacha as the uh, AI companion there, uh, but it was different system from felines. Uh, the Lagiacrus was the main monster here, one that could go both underwater and on land. Mm-hmm. So uh, it it's very, a cool monster. Yeah, it was, it's a very fun fight. Um, so then Japan had another PSP title, mm-hmm. uh, but then we went, we skipped. Um, for about three years, all the way to Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, mm-hmm. which, uh, as Brett said earlier, um, I got hired sort of to start working on that and then moving forward. Um, but yeah, 3 Ultimate was on a 3DS. It came out in Japan as 3G. Uh, and then it had it had all the fun things about Try, which was, you know, to some people, the underwater. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, for... You know the, the the all the monsters that were introduced in Try they they were all there, but then it kept it brought back some of the monsters back from Freedom Unite, um, and then like the Nagakuga was uh-huh. back and the Plesioth and you know a lot of the subspecies came back as well. So it was sort of like a, trying to be the Freedom Unite of of, of that, Try of Try right dynamic so. lighting also yeah. <laughs> Beautiful looking game. Yeah, it was the first game that actually have dynamic uh, lighting and, and shadows. So uh, I was pretty happy about that, to be honest. With you. I also thought the you know this is probably another one of my many many unpopular opinions, but uh, the <laughs> underwater playing with the 3D on, I think it looks beautiful. It's like you're there, man. 
Uh, next topic. Next topic. Next game. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. You can. Uh, you, you feel free to let us know in the comments, guys. I mean, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I just uh, generally don't play with 3D on just for <laughs> purely a battery perspective. Oh, I yeah. see. Um, so, yeah, the, the 3DS version, I think, was the one that we all play the most. And that's when it started becoming sort of a, in, in, uh, within the office, sort of a viral yeah. uh, thing. People started playing, and then people yeah, from different departments. Like and most of, of PR was playing. Yeah. Most of marketing was playing. Yep. Uh, people that have been, like, writing off Monster Hunter for the longest time. They they started playing and then they couldn't let go. And then it was, yeah, and then it was like suddenly I went from being one of the only people who knew anything about Monster Hunter to knowing less than most people in the office <laughs> about Monster Hunter. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know why that uh, that switch flipped. And I mean, it was it was it's a blessing and a curse because once you play it, there's like that's kind of all you want to play. Yeah. So I would play here for hours. Like we would like at lunch, everyone would rush to get food, come back, we play. And then at the end of the day, it's like 4.58, and everyone's kind of like, yeah, let's just, all right, let's go. <laughs> and we play till like 6 or 6.30. I'm missing my train home today. <laughs> every every weekday, like like more or less every weekday. And then if there was a show, E3, Comic-Con packs, like oh yeah. normally you'd try to go like rub, rub elbows or. Yeah, I was going to say, that, like, there's a alarming, uh, sorry, what's the word? Can't think of it. Just completely. You'd normally be like antisocial. There's an yeah. There's an alarming correlation between uh, when our attendance to these event parties dropped off and (laughs) when Monster Hunter came out. Yeah, because it's like, hey, you know, hey, there's this party at Comic Con, there's this party at PAX, and I'm like, I really need to get that mantle. (laughs) Quite quite (laughs) frankly, uh, anyone else want to just go to the hotel lobby and just get beers and play? Well, I was going to go to this Playboy Mansion party, but yeah. Brachius is Wrath, Wrath Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, um, that's yeah. It totally. But but then it was like I it just wouldn't play anything, and it's like, <clears throat> what else did you play in 2013? I have no idea. Other than like the month and a half where I played Animal Crossing, <laughs> it was like yeah. yeah, I actually don't remember what I did other than play Monster Hunter, <laughs> as far as games go. Three Ultimate had the very uh, unique scenario of being the only two, uh, the only Monster Hunter game being released to two different platforms at once, uh, though they connected. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, 3DS and Wii U. You could transfer your save file and all that. You heard me say this a million times last year. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, but other new things that I may not have said as much. Uh, Brachidios was entirely new. The slime element was also brand new to that game. I think as time uh, wears on, I know Giganox was like my favorite monster at first yeah. and whatever, but I think at this point Bracky is my favorite monster. Oh, the Bracky is, is such a great design, and he has like, he, very love, unique animations. Yeah, and I love that. everything about that monster. I have a little adorable Bracky plush on my desk. It's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, and then the two AI companions, um, now you know they, they had Chacha and then they had Kayamba, so... You could take two in a quest, and if you're just playing with one other person, you could also one each take one. And then now we're uh, we are ten years later from the first release with Monster Hunter Four Ultimate, which uh, the first portable to have online multiplayer. Yay! So that's, that's gonna blow it wide open, guys. I know. Just just Hold get on ready. To your butts indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, again, we're we're still we're still actively talking about that title. So you know, two new weapons. Uh, Big thing is like the the jumping 
Uh, you can do pretty much any point in the map now. There should be a little ledge that you can jump off and do yeah. a jump attack, get into Mosh's back. It's a it's hard just... thing to get across just like verbally because it's like, no, there's not like there's a jump button. No, yeah, yeah. And it's not quite even like, you know, Zelda where, it, oh, you're up to a ledge and you'll hop. It's like, no, there's this verticality to everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so many great, like, almost movie moments of, like, jumping off a cliff and then, like, hitting a monster on the way down. And that triggers the riding animation and now you're on them. Oh, yeah. Or with the insect glaive pole vault in the air and smack a Rathian out of the air as they're trying to get away. Yeah, it's like yeah. all these things where you're like, ugh. I mean, it has a very integral and new strategic element, you know, yeah. to, to like how you approach the monster and how you position yourself. And there's other little nitty gritty technical things like the sword and shield can actually do a rising jump attack, mm. jump up and attack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only weapon that can do uh, that kind of um, motion there where you're going up a ledge and you can do a jump attack. Ah, that, that's neat. That and then like dual blades when you're in down. demon mode. And you do a jumping attack off a ledge. There's this unique attack when you're in that mode. Yeah, you do the, this like psycho crusher style. Like yeah, the guy just goes like oh, spinning yeah. like crazy, and there's yeah. like at least five jump attacks issued in one go. Yeah, wow. so that's like another one of those like you just kind of find out. And you're like, oh, that's really useful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I also, I really want people to pay attention to the charge blade. Because no. I think it's it's not as wackadoodle as the the <laughs> other new weapon, the uh, the uh, bug insect, insect glaive. Sorry, bug, bug staff. The bug, yeah, the bug manipulation rod, <laughs> um, which is a great great weapon. It's so fun. It's great, yeah. Um, but I think uh, because it's so, cr it just has that great. crazy top line pitch <laughs> of it's a pole vaulting staff that shoots bugs. You know, yeah, like, no, it's true. It's true. Uh, it's hard. Like it inevitably overshadows the other one a little bit. The other one is super awesome. That's one of my main weapons now, and uh, it's got lots of little foibles that we'll get into later on in the, in the campaign. Yeah, uh, it's very unique. I mean, it could be as early as uh, the New York panel. Anyways, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's there's just a ton of stuff. Uh, the roster in this game already put makes the Freedom Unite roster looks look like a like a pile of puke look like it was a rushed last minute job <laughs> <laughs> no both great games uh but <laughs> uh hearing moe's voice it's, it's always a treat uh, so yeah anyways the roster of this game is the, the largest monster roster ever and uh <laughs> i'm still laughing you're still thinking a pile of puke uh, <laughs> debbie it is my favorite line <laughs> I hope everybody listening, and I mean everybody, is a Simpsons watcher because otherwise <laughs> this is just going to not make any sense. I'm, yeah. I refuse to edit this out. Cut. No, no, absolutely not. But, uh, yeah, yeah good roster. Very, very big. Very uh, excellent. I would say it qualifies as a buttload of it, monsters. It does. It does. And also a buttload of stuff to craft because it's for the first time they, they've added a system there where you can actually <laughs> trade parts for other monster parts hmm. that are not present in this game. Oh, so you yeah. Can yes. Make, you can make Nargakuga armor. Nibble Snarf armor awaits. Yeah. You can make Nargakuga armor, even though there was an interview in Japan that they just confirmed Nargakuga is not in this game. Bummer. Uh, they generally don't deny monsters yeah. until the game is out. And yeah. You can check the full roster. I mean, it's right. out in Japan imminently, I think. So. Maybe, oh, yeah, next week as well. Maybe, so, they, were, maybe they were just <laughs> like, eh, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I won't miss Narga Kuga, but I will miss that high level G rank. You know, Lucent Narga it was such a cool fight. Mm -hmm. uh, that, was, yeah. that was great. That was that was really fun. That was uh, 
disappearing and just the traces of the eyes left. Yeah, and that's three, another yeah. like great thing that Three Ultimate did. I mean, Monster Hunter in general, but being a newcomer for Three Ultimate was like if you already put in 150 hours in one save file, which is like a lot. I mean, by any other game's reckoning, that's a lot. Yeah. And in Monster yeah, yeah, yeah. Hunter, it's like, yeah, you're, you're getting started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then somehow, like, just knowing, like, oh, wait, getting to HR 50, 60, 70, 80, yeah. whatever the number, I forget how it all yeah, breaks se- down. Yeah, 70 but like, is, the think, is the last one. But then, like, getting Abyssal Laggy, Lucent Nagakuga, the Moonlight Trist with the Gold and Silver, Rathian and Rathalos, like, those fights... Well, that's only a few fights. Like right. they are like my favorites in the whole game. Like I wish oh, there was absolutely. some bracky equivalent of like some wacky wacky bracky <laughs> who did ice skates or something. I don't know. <laughs> just did something different. Like those fights are like like the, that Moonlight Trist is like the best. Yeah. It's just it's the coolest thing to watch on a stream because you're like I want to play this game. Like yeah. oh yeah, everybody's like working in this concerted effort to fight two huge, constantly yes. moving aggressive dragons. Like oh, it's really cool. It's- and I I always said that about uh, quests that have two monsters at the same time. It's yeah. just like they they are fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it for for the game. And don't, don't want to talk too much about four ultimate uh, because we're still talking about it. We have yeah. to but, uh, pad out a whole campaign here. So yeah. yeah. But uh, if you're going, we had it at PAX East or PAX Prime, and we'll yeah. have it in New York. So if we're, yeah, we're gonna have it in New York, um, and it should be it should be a ton of fun. Uh, come check it out if you are in the New York area. Get you a free little f- pin. It's uh, a little feline wearing the starter armor. Uh, but yeah, going going to other things here. I think now that we are all all three of us play Monster Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, just want to go quick a quick round of favorites. Oh man! So uh, and I think we already touched upon some of these. But uh, yeah, favorite monsters. Who wants to go first? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, anyone who's seen the Meet the Monster videos knows this probably about. Uh, Brett, you did one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so, but for those who didn't, uh, I'm a big fan of the Nibble Snarf, uh, which I think is a little underappreciated, to be honest. You know, you don't hear a lot of talk about that. It's a really cool fight. I love, yeah, I just, I love the monsters where there's all these little tricks, you know, like unique uh, things that make the fights unique. Like the fact that you can set battle bombs and it'll eat them and then it'll blow himself up and then (laughs) you can fish them out. Like there's, what other monster can you fish in the middle of a fight? Yeah, it's uh, the gobble. Well, sort yeah, the, you you can fish the gobble, up, but you have to do it before he detects uh, you. Right, and the plesioth too. It's the same way, yeah. You can fish the nibble snarf out of sand during the fight. Yeah, yeah, out, yeah. Of sand. out of sand. It's really cool. Second favorite. Do you have a second favorite? Second favorite's probably Zinogre. I'm a okay. A big fan of Zinogre. That was one one of the early monsters on a. On an undisclosed PSP game that I was into, <laughs> <laughs> first, that was one of the first games that I really sunk my teeth into. And uh, I, when I discovered that there was like a guitar weapon and an electric guitar weapon <laughs> and a chainsaw oh, yeah. weapon, and they all came from the same badass <laughs> lightning wolf, <laughs> uh, a magical animal. Yeah, and again, he's got like the little foibles, like you can farm bugs off his back. The yeah, Fergus. Oh my god, Fergus! All right, Brett, what's yours? Uh, like I said, I think at this point, favorite is Bracky. Just the more the more the time goes by, I'm like, I love that look. I love the fight. I love the armor of the things you get from him. And slime is a cool thing. I, I love that. Of course. And then it, and then you know, Giggy was the Gigginox was the first monster I really uh, that that made that kind of it also helped lure me in because a lot of the marketing materials and cover monsters it was like 
oh, it's this game with like dragons and lizards and things, and okay, yeah, yeah, get yeah. It. And, or like a beast or whatever. But this right. was like, this is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> and it's climbing on the walls and creeping me out, and then it's like shooting poison crap everywhere constantly, <laughs> and it's a giant jerk. And every, everything yeah. about it was like, this is great. Like, I think it yeah. contributes to a sense of variety. In yeah. The game. yeah. And Again, a uh, tri-monster. So that that's like showing like a refreshing sort yeah, of feel. Like that's, uh, and then when I play the that's Kezu, I'm like, I'm not nearly as into this Kezu. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like but I mean, you did you did express some love for the, the giant snake, the Najarala. Yeah, Najarala in 4 is, is really fun. Again, yeah. that's just another cool-looking monster, but the fight is, is interesting. It's always trying to coil around you and then shoots yeah. the corn nuts at you and... Yeah, and off of his tail, and, and, then that, <laughs> and then that sweet corn crunch breaks, and then you fall <laughs> down. And it's great. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna get this corn nuts sponsorship one way or the other. <laughs> Man, yeah. Uh, for me, I think uh, my my favorite monster is the Yangaruga. He was the he was actually introduced in Monster of Freedom, and it was the only monster that it was entirely new. Um, the other monsters were like subspecies and all that, uh, but everything else was based on the first Monster Hunter. Uh, but yeah, it was entirely new, and it was like a young Kutku, but he could do poison, and he can. He was the only monster that would do like a flying motion and the roar at the same time. So mm. if you're not caught by the wind, you're caught by the roar, and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, th- I thought it was it was very, uh, very unique at the time, but also the monster looks quite badass. Mm. So look it up. Uh, and then I think the second favorite for me is. Uh, uh, I okay. only if, if only you'd prepared your favorite monster. <laughs> I don't have a second favorite. That's that's the problem. I really like the Ignactor. Okay, good because that was wow. uh, that was like my third favorite. Yeah, the Ignactor is is quite amazing. Like when it's the same body type as the Laggy, mm-hmm. uh, so you but you fight him later, so you should be you know sort of used to it. But it, like the move set is completely different. Yeah. You know, it go on the ceiling and like the the ground and it'll get cut from one to the that, other and like spinning around and that sp- corkscrew animation yeah yeah it's really me. great it seems like it must have been very hard to do oh yeah knowing yeah. nothing yeah. about animating and then, like, <laughs> models and then the f- <laughs> well they they mocap a live ignactor yeah. <laughs> uh but then also like that first time he just comes just just belly up out of the ground and then that beak like claps. And yeah, like, what's yeah, he yeah, doing? Yeah, the and beak clap is cool. Giant laser shoots across, uh, and it's like this great. giant lava beam, and you're like, "What the hell? <laughs> uh, Stop it!" It's a really good. Yeah, that's a cool fight. And then the glacial one, which oh yeah, I don't like it as much just because I love the, those hot oranges and bright colors of the yeah. of the regular. Monster. Yeah, it's very Lost Planet two type monster. It is actually you hit the glowing part. Anyways, so yeah, favorite uh, weapons. Well, y'all know I'm a Gunlance aficionado of sorts. Uh, end of uh, next question. Well, for those who don't know, it's a lance that you can poke. So but it's a gun I'm, component. I'm kind of so like, like kind of like the Resident Devil May Cry guy here, you know. And there's something attractive to me about the combination of melee and firearm combat. So having that in one weapon, yeah, forget about it. I know. But you also like switch axe, right? I like the well, all the all the crazy like. Invention. All the weapons in the games that are like inventions that they had to invent themselves and actually engineer in a way that makes logical sense, I just marvel at. Like, if you look at the Switch Axe, that thing actually makes physical sense to the right. point that you can build your own if you're so inclined. And people right. have. People have done Someone that. Someone even yeah. built a gun lance with, <laughs> with like in one of those air guns that they have in Japan. Yeah. 
but actually, with four U on the way, I, I'm gonna say that Switch Axe is not my second favorite. I think my second favorite now is Charge Blade. Yeah. Um, Gunlance still has the edge for me, and they have they've added just a couple tweaks in uh, four Ultimate uh, versus three Ultimate that uh, make it all the more enjoyable. Oh yeah, it comes fully reloaded. Fully loaded. It comes, yeah, you don't have to reload as your first course of action. <laughs> yeah. Feline's finally doing their job. It does seem strange to go into the battle like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Uh, so, yeah, Brett, yours. Uh, definitely Hunting Horn. Um, because, again, like it, it's kind of an invention in that while it is a club bludgeoning weapon, it is like the silliest weapon. Yeah. like It's more likely for the... Hunting horn equivalent web, uh, you know, carve, carve like the thing you would make a longsword would look pretty serious. A horn would look pretty serious, or a hammer would look fairly serious, and a bow and a dual blade—they all look kind of like this is a thing you might build from yeah, yeah. guts of a monster. But a hunting horn is almost always ridiculous. <laughs> and from the harmonica, snarfonics, from the uh, <laughs> nibble snarf to the electric guitar, from uh, Zenogre, or let's not forget the Kurpeko trumpet. Kurpeko, like like uh, like <laughs> New Orleans style trumpet band, and just that makes that sound of like it's like that's great. And yeah, they play jingles, but then each swing is a music note, and then it it buffs everyone in in the party. So it's like you you get to play the support class that isn't just a like wiener support class <laughs> where you just have to like, Oh, I'll run around and heal everybody. Don't hurt me. Everyone like, yeah, no, you dude. have a pretty strong weapon, especially like with the, um, the brackies, the temporal demolisher, that final bell you get. It's first of all, it's this giant, like n- hot green, n- like glowing neon bell, bell. <laughs> that's covered in slime. And then it deals a crap ton of damage. And it has all these songs that like buff stuff. So it's yeah. like, that's really fun. And then yeah. I think after that, uh, I mean, I dabbled in long sword of dual blades, but the insect glaive is is really fun because it's like a hunting horn for one, where you're sending the bug back and forth to give you buffs, um, yeah, power up, defense up, speed up, earplugs, um, all kinds of stuff. Huh. Um, but it, it, it's like this mix of like long sword where you can get in this kind of infinite loop animation and deal a lot of damage, but then you get the buffs of the horn. But you also get to feel a little nimble. And, and, and you and, jump. And you can do the pole vault attack. So yeah, that's really cool. Well, for me, uh, definitely, you know, um, having had some time with 4, uh, four Ultimate here in the office, uh, Charge Blade is, is the, the top right now. I really like what I've seen so far. And, um, and I think the second one is actually the Sword and Shield. So, um, mm. and... Considering both of those weapons have a sword and a shield component, that's true. That's a you can see a common thread there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I but would yeah. want to play as Link. It's just oh, <laughs> the Link armor, but man, I well, sword and shield is fun. Uh, it's you just, know, yeah, yeah. I was gonna, you know, not, not much to add about the charge blade other than what Greg said, but just to explain a little bit, it's a sword and shield, and then you combine those two to form a giant axe mm-hmm. so the side of the size of the shield become like blades and you can use uh those to attack but then uh the the sword and shield uh the separate weapon class sword and shield i i always liked it because it always had something unique about it you know mm-hmm. uh and then dialing back nine years on the first game i brought it online to a match i had like a paralysis sword and shield mm. and these guys all with, like big swords and lances and i was like 
what are you doing? What are you know, I could hear them in my head, even though it was like text only. It was like, what are you doing with that tiny weapon? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. And then, like, the monster get paralyzed three times, and then they say, oh, yeah, okay. Right. I, I, <laughs> I see what you're saying. I see what you're doing. Uh, but, yeah. So I, I always found it was uh, very versatile. The animations are quick. You can block. And Use since, items. Yeah, since Freedom 2, there's always been at least one thing that is very unique about the Sword and Shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Freedom 2, they introduced the, you know, if you hold R and hit the item use button, you can use items without putting your weapon away. And that's the only weapon that can do that. Yeah, super useful. And then in 4 Ultimate, it's the only weapon that can jump up ledges and do the jump attack like mm-hmm. we talked It'll about It'll make earlier. more sense when you guys see it. Yeah. That sounds like a Monster Hunter podcast to me, but uh, we do have our digital deals segment. I'm bringing it back. At least when we have digital deals, which is most of the time. So, music. Thank you. Uh, Gamersgate has been running deals all week on Capcom PC games. Check on them daily for the rest of the week just to make sure you don't miss anything. There's way too many to list right here. And they're each in 48-hour pockets. So, just see for yourself. Go to Gamersgate. Uh, Not to be confused with Gamergate. (laughs) Cut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, uh, perhaps to the delight of many... Uh, Strider 2, the elusive PS1 classic, which contains a port of Strider 1 from the arcade, is finally coming to PSN in North America, uh, and that'll be out this coming Tuesday, October 7th. Look for that, for sure. That's Strider 1 and 2. Yeah, that is something, like, along with X4 and 5, that, uh, been happy to pursue that, and also the virtual console stuff, but, uh... PSN, we hadn't really been able to get as much going as we did on virtual console. So it was cool to see uh, X4, 5, and then now Strider 2, like getting some of these things out the door that um, people have been asking for. Yep. So I was very happy to see this out the door. Yes, and uh, this is, of course, playable on your PS3, PSP, and Vita. Wow. So we recommend you do that. Uh, also, Dungeons & Dragons Chronicles of Mistara, which is the two-pack Shakur of beat-em-ups <laughs> containing both uh, Tower of Doom and Shadow over Mistara, uh, the two arcade classics. They kind of set the bar for beat-em-ups for a very long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are one of the freebies you get on PS Plus in both North America and Europe in the month of October. Uh, that also starts October 7th, so uh, make sure you pick that up. It supports, uh, I think, uh, Tower is two-player co-op, and then Shadow over Mistara is four-player co-op online. Uh, there's also leaderboards and dip switches and all that stuff. And that's all we have for digital stuff. Um, real quick, we did the community question last week. Uh, we asked you, what about what are your favorite Capcom one-offs? Uh, which ones do you think are fine as a one-and-done thing? Which ones do you think deserve sequels? Uh Heard from a few of you guys. A lot of people mentioned Dragon's Dogma. I think that that game is still relatively young. Uh, and although it did have the Dark Arisen expansion follow-up. Uh, still arguably a one-off for the time being. Uh, Red Stash, who is a frequent contributor and uh, part of the Well Done podcast, which uh, plays Monster Hunter games. They do. Uh, they often says, hijack our Monster Hunter Monday stream. 
Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, but he was talking about dogma. He says, exploring the, great, uh, exploring the environments was great fun. Climbing all over the bosses to strike their weak points was great fun. Also, managing my character's abilities involved some tough and compelling choices. Very true. And let's not forget about the world itself. There were lots of hints dropped about the history of the world beyond just Granzis. We know there's far more to the world than just the peninsula and Bitter Black Isle. Give me Battle more, Cap- Capcom. Battletoads. Yeah, I think Battletoads, it's- <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Confirmed. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Dragon's Dogma is... Uh, it's got one of those less is more kind of narratives. Um, I was talking to Yuri about this, how, like, the the narrative gymnastics they they <laughs> went to to make it so the player and the arisen in the story are doing the same thing as much as possible, I think is, is pretty impressive. You know, like uh, you have this pawn renting system and that's literally what the arisen is doing. Yeah. He yeah. goes to like this dark void and rents pawns. <laughs> not um, to be confused with dark void. Not to be confused <laughs> with dark void. You, you, uh, you hire watchers in that game. Yeah. You, uh, no, you don't. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Shoot the orange. No. <laughs> uh, Shin Kaiser Dragon also gives a shout out to Mega Man Legends. He said, or I'm sorry, to Misadventures of Tron Ball. He says, maybe it's not exactly one off because it is a spin off of this other thing. But I particularly enjoyed Mega Misadventures of Tron Ball. Uh, I, I enjoyed the section about the bank robbery and the cop girl's attempts at stopping Tron on her mecha with unfortunate results. Uh, I too am partial to this game. I still have the copy I got for my birthday when I turned. God, 15, I think. Half the age I am now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was cool because, like, Mega Man Legends already took the Mega Man brand completely, completely different direction. Uh, And it was a direction that had so much charm to it that they even saw room to build on that world even more. And you had this Tronbon game come kind of completely out of the blue and it it is like it's one that a lot of people missed but super charming and uh one of the most unique games that i think capcom has put out it's like five games in one wow so this week community question yuri if you please so community question is sort of the the classic interview question here uh so where do you see yourself into no where do you see monster hunter in another 10 years uh so i'm leaving this open you know feel free to predict what you think might happen, or write down some of your wishes for what you think would happen. Awesome. But uh, but keep it concise. You know, we don't want a full list of features uh, that's not going to get read in the episode. <laughs> just, uh, you know, uh, somebody can just say, I wish Monster Hunter in 10 years would have hoverboards, and we might read that. Mm. In theory, that could happen as early as 2015. <laughs> uh, the clock's ticking on that one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man, that, that'll be Monster Hunter 2024. I hope it has, uh, like, cyboplasm and back. I was going to say, Street Fighter 2010 will be ancient history. Baby. It will be. Yeah. My God. <laughs> Ken Masters will be long gone. But not forgotten. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. And play more Monster Hunter. Please do. We'll